0: Hey guys and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. It is my absolute honour and I think first time um, I am interviewing a female Olympian on the podcast is the one Me. the only Ria Guile. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm not too shabby. I actually had on uh, your sponsor uh, two hours ago. Oh, um, <gasps> awesome. Mandy from Black Ice Bikinis. Um, Lovely. Lovely. When she was kind of going through, we're going through the rigmarole of the episode, she mentioned yourself. And I was like, I have Ria on (laughs) the podcast in a couple hours. So she told me to to mention you. But it's a true honor to speak to you. You're a huge motivation um, for a lot of females out there. And I know the ones that are listening have been very excited to hear this episode. But I'm fully aware there's maybe people that are new to the podcast that have maybe been living under a rock (laughs) and don't know (laughs) who you are. So what, what I'd love for you to do is just tell us about who you are, your journey within bodybuilding to where you are today. And what I'd love for you to do is don't be brief, be very descriptive of okay. where, it, where it started. Okay. What, what was the moment that you thought, that's where I want to go down. Talk us through the years to, to, to today.
1: Okay, Um. so I'm Ria. <laughs> um, I used to be a diver um, before I sort of got into all of this. Um, and it was in 2016 where I was kind of having um, a bit of a struggle with my mental health so I kind of had to take a back seat with diving uh, which was the end of my career um, and sort of really start building myself back up again mentally and at the time I was working at a pure gym down in Plymouth um, and there was a girl that was there and she competed and I was like I really I've always kind of loved bodybuilding because my dad was a bodybuilder way back when. Um, but I was kind of missing having the competitive edge and something to work towards that I would have in diving. Sure. Um, so I was that's when I started sort of properly training. Um, and then my friend was like, have you ever thought about actually jumping in and competing. And I was like, this could be this could be a nice little challenge for myself put no pressure on myself and if i make it to the stage i do if i don't i don't and you can always you know the goal the goal for me was to just try and mentally work through something and prove to myself that i can still achieve something even with how i was feeling at the time so way back when i done the english grand prix with ukbff as my first ever show in my little in my little green bikini everyone should know this story by now um <laughs> uh, my little green bikini and as soon as I sort of got on stage I absolutely loved it um and I get a lot of people that's asked me like what is what was the turning point for you to say oh you really love competing and it was at my first show like I had no idea what I was doing but I just loved it um and ever since then I've not really looked back um and then two years later, so in 2018 is when I got my pro card um, in at the Amateur Olympia in Alicante. Um, and then the year after that, I then done the pro circuit. Um, so I done New York pro, came third. Puerto Rico pro came third. Toronto pro came fourth. Then three weeks later, done Chicago, came fifth. And then I done the Norfolk pro and came second. And with all of that, I accumulated enough points to then qualify for the 2019 Olympia, um, where I got second call outs and came 13th. And that was absolutely mind blowing. Like, I just I even remember it now, like hearing my name in the second call out and being like, like, (laughs) 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 absolutely surreal. Um, And then that kind of runs into this season, um, working with JP and Corinne. We done the Arnold's and I came eighth at the Arnold's in Ohio. I also qualified for the Arnold's Australia, um, but then Corona hit worldwide and that was cancelled, but I was out in Australia for nine weeks. And then Alicante most recently uh, got my first ever pro win, which has been an absolute bucket list accomplishment. Um, And now currently in Cancun, Mexico, four and a half weeks out of the 2020 Olympia.
0: I th- so, that's me. <laughs> uh, I, I think anyone listening could probably know that you seem a very humble lady and that, that's a huge list of accomplishments that you've rattled off like it was nothing. But I know, <laughs> I know it was nothing. I know it would have been hard. Now, for anyone out there that doesn't know much about competing, just just talk us through how many sort of weeks of dieting, months of preparation you, you sort of rattled off within let's say the past year and a half, two years, to prepare for those shows? It's it's really hard to kind of put it into weeks
1: because it kind of merges into the year. So if I kind of go into last year, for example, that was six shows in a season, and that was like just keep going, keep going, keep going, and I think I started that prep in about February, and was continuous until the Olympia, which was September. But obviously, uh, after a show, you eat up again. And so you do have like little diet breaks in between, but it's more of a, I can't really put a finger on how many weeks, but it is competing is very much a lifestyle.
0: Um, 100%. And what, what yeah. it sounds like is that you came from that diving background and you saw, it seems like you jumped in, threw yourself to a sport, that, I'm not saying it replaced it, but you went in a different direction, and you strike me as someone that has a very relentless mindset of just getting better and better and better. Mm -hmm. Would you say that with every show you do, that hunger, that drive, just to become a better bodybuilder, does that that become a little bit more each show?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think... With every show, I think up until this point, it's kind of taken me these two weeks in Mexico to really kind of like sit down and really be like, right, really, this is what you've actually done. This is what's led you to here now. And it's kind of with each show I do personally, it helps me have a little bit more self-belief going into the next one Um, and really trying to improve on myself physically, like you said, to be the best bodybuilder I can be, but also mentally as well. Um, that for me is important as well.
0: And, and that's maybe one of the things that is often overlooked in the sport. And maybe I think it's talked about a lot more over the past couple of years, but I guess the old school method was oh, you're a bodybuilder, you're hard as nails, and nothing really affects you. Do, do you want yeah. to sort of talk us through what bodybuilding has done for your own mental health? I mm-hmm. think that would be really valuable for some of the listeners that are just getting started
1: yeah it's this probably sounds very like cliche and some people might be like oh but prep's really hard how can you kind of think that way but it's kind of saved me in terms of i'm with how i am very much a creature of habit and for example diving i knew exactly what i was doing exactly what time i'd have my set days that i'd be training and it would just be week by week would be routine routine um And I kind of struggle without without that. I know how to relax. I know how to sort of have my downtime, but I struggle with the structure. And I feel like bodybuilding for me has given me more structure and routine. And it's kind of flowed into normal life as well. So more routine with coaching clients and posing clients and how I can, bring my uh, dedication to bodybuilding into something else as well. So I feel like it's really helping me grow as a person um, and just instilling bits of confidence in me to then put into other aspects of my life.
0: So I suppose you could say that, I mean, well, bodybuilding may have perhaps changed you as a person, whether, you know, for, for the better. If there's someone out there that's sitting on the fence about mm-hmm. starting bodybuilding or, or whether they they should get mm-hmm. serious if you were chatting to them right now you know if, mm-hmm. if i was perhaps a female had long hair etc etc <laughs> what was what would you say to me if, if, if i was kind of having doubts about should i shouldn't i drawbacks if you were to just jobs yeah. try to convince those ladies out there what, what would yeah.
1: you say so firstly i would say make sure you're kind of in it for the right reasons um because it, it, like I said, prep is very hard. I know that sometimes it can be glamorized a lot. On, don't even know if that's really word, right, guys. Well, you're, right, <laughs> um, you're right. It can be glamorized on social media, and I know that some people kind of get into it for social media. Not everybody, but it happens. And then there's sort of the after the show. It's. <sighs> I would, I'm not. This is me. This with what I'm saying. It kind of sounds like I'm not selling it but i would just say that there is more that comes after especially after a show and just making sure that you've got the right coach and building up a support network as well would be very very important but i always say to people do it do it do it do it absolutely <laughs> absolutely love it i'm the worst i'm like Can you want to come do it do it do it do it do it because it. it is <laughs> no, some people no. some people will like it some people won't but i always say I feel it's such reward just getting up on stage and knowing that you've made it through the 12, 14, 16, 20, 24 weeks or however long it's been. And, you know, I always say it's always about the journey. Whatever happens on stage is always a bonus. You've got to remember that that there's a journey to the stage.
0: You're absolutely right. And I think that when you talk about the improvements to mental health and, and that word of accomplishment of what you've done within a sometimes 12, sometimes 24 week mm-hmm. it could certainly make someone feel very empowered and mm-hmm. have a, a sense of self pride that I think very few people in the world unless you're a bodybuilder can really relate to so mm-hmm. I what before I go off on a tangent like I always do what I wanted <laughs> to say is you mentioned a story about a, a little green bikini and that everyone knows it I know there's some listeners that don't know the story so could, could you could you talk us through that story because I'm intrigued as well and I know that they'd oh. love, love to hear that from from where you were back then to now being an, an Olympian a returning yeah. Olympian it would be awesome to hear that difference. Yeah
1: so it was kind of like uh, way back then I just I kind of didn't have any idea what I was getting myself into um in terms of like obviously now as the sport has become well thankfully with sort of social media you're able to sort of understand more you've got companies like black ice you know that is lifesaver (laughs) lifesaver so let's talk about my little green bikini so i think my bikini was like 40 pounds it had about 10 rhinestones on it. it didn't really fit me properly i was just like oh my god i really just love this color and blah, blah, blah. so i always bring back to my first ever stage photo which was in 2016 in my green bikini um and then in 2017 that's when i started working with mandy and not look back since so it's like for me it's i always refer to that as the process you've got to st- everyone's got to start somewhere and that's always like my green bikini story like i have big frizzy hair a neon green bikini my tan was just non existent and but you know it's that's where i started and i always look back and be like guys that that was me you know you've always got to look back and see how far you've come and the support network that you've had so you absolutely,
0: yeah. absolutely right and i feel that with a with a lot of the the newbies that come on board with myself that they'll feel like six months and then they always kind of they get a bit down in the dumps because they feel like they're so far away from their goal and I always bring up their first check-in photo and what you sort of just described is a similar process by as and I'm sure as a pro athlete you'll still have those moments well maybe I should ask you if you still have those moments of self-doubt and like oh I've not really changed do you experience that and if so if so how do you deal with it
1: so up until I can tell you now, I can tell you now that it's such a natural thing, especially in bodybuilding. It's such a natural natural thing to have self-doubt. And most recently that's why I keep coming up with the caption, no more fear, no more doubt, because whenever you think you can't, there is someone else that thinks they can and they're already ahead of you. So you've kind of really got to, you know, just take everything in your stride. And be like, look, this is this I, I'm saying this now. A couple of days ago I checked in and I was like, Oh my god, <laughs> I'm not gonna be ready. But then you just you have to just take your take that moment, acknowledge it, and then carry on pushing. It's it's a natural process.
0: Yeah, and I'm, you know what, I'm so I'm so happy you said that because I'm sure there's a lot of females out there that that are just like, Yeah but Rhea, she's hardcore, she doesn't think like that but what you've just sort of admitted is that you know what, yeah. those thoughts yeah. are natural, don't let it put you off. Um, yeah, and that's absolutely amazing now if we can get back to the the olympia stage mm-hmm. and, and the subject of, of sort of qualifying for that could you talk us through we know that within bodybuilding that over the years we can we can train a bit differently we can mm-hmm. eat a bit differently if you think back to the green bikini mm-hmm. <laughs> to now how has your training perhaps changed or your let's say routine, because you mentioned routine, structure, sleep. Yeah. Could know, yeah. you talk us through have things placed a bit of a better importance? Have you start training a bit differently? How's it all been?
1: Yeah. So I think it's, for me, it's been a massive mindset shift. Um, and it's continued, even if we sort of bring back to when you said, like with each show, you try to focus on getting better and better. And I think that is, the mindset of, you know, it's all about progression. So going back to you, everyone starts somewhere, um, you learn different methods, and you just start progressing and levelling up. And I think that has been my main mindset and having the thought process of, you know, wanting to get better with each show and now setting even bigger goals for myself then requires the progression mentally and physically to sort of get there so i think season upon season show upon show it's all about that progression
0: yeah and would you say that from every show that you've done did you then come away and think right i'm going to keep my training the same or you know what what did you did you get different feedback about what you perhaps needed to to bring up to then get into the pro ranks because i think there's a lot of beginners out there that they're not really sure what the pro ranks are and the difference, Mm -hmm. the massive, Mm -hmm. massive difference between amateur and pro. Mm -hmm. So could you talk us through that sort of feedback or that mindset of how that sort of changed between amateurs, how you improved to get that that program?
1: Yeah, so with with my physique, it's definitely sort of still a work in progress. Um, And my feedback sort of since joining the pro league back in 2018... Adding some more size and then upper body was there, and then it was okay bringing up the legs. So, a lot of my training, especially most recently, um, is progressive overload. And even now, we've changed my training to more of a back and bys, legs, delt and arms, chest, um, chest delts and tries. So, leading into the Olympia, my training has changed to be even more specific. Um, but. I would always say, whether you're an amateur or a pro, after your shows, always ask for feedback because there's always an area that can be worked on and then your coach can really sort of hone in and tailor that to then make the improvements.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, again, if we, we look at the the beginner out there that's maybe they've been to one or two shows, mm-hmm. uh, and I think at times with Instagram, we often follow the big names like yourself and say like, oh, they've turned pro, and they've turned them, they've turned pro, and it could maybe seem on Instagram that it looks easy, but when in reality, it's it's certainly not. Could, mm-hmm. could you talk us through the the jump up as an athlete, what it felt like, or if it felt the same mm-hmm. to go from those sort of amateur ranks to mm-hmm. pro? What's oh, how, most how, definitely how did it feel? What most definitely. Different?
1: So. It's, you have to, anyone that's sort of on the cusp of getting their pro card has to understand that you go from being the best amateur to a rookie pro. And then you sort of, you have to, you sort of start again and you have to sort of be mentally prepared for that, that a lot of pros are in the pro ranks for years and years and years until they get to the Olympia, until they get to the Arnold's, until they get their first pro win, you know? And I think sometimes, again, on Instagram, it is just a looking glass into, it's a success highlight reel, Um, but it does take a lot mentally and physically, but also just to remember that there is that, you do have the, the odd pros that do turn pro, they do one show, boom, they're at the Olympia. Like, some people are just mind-blowingly incredible. But other other times it is, you know, you've really sort of got to start that work again. And that's that's the fun of bodybuilding, you know. It's, it's all about progress. It's all about getting better and chasing your goals and, you know, yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think what you said is so right that it is glamorised on Instagram because... Is the highlight reel. But I think that anyone mm-hmm. that has been in the in the bodybuilding game, the bodybuilding scene for a long time, yeah. that, that appreciates what a prep's like, what it's like to be improvements, can can look at your journey and just be massively inspired. Massively mm-hmm. inspired. And, ju- and just be like, holy fucking shit. Because it's just it's relentless pursuit to be better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But if we go back to the bottom of the chain, and we think mm-hmm. about, say, the beginner out there listening amateur mm-hmm. that they they have dreams like yourself and then they look at you as, as I I want to achieve a similar sort of journey but they're just mm-hmm. getting started. I know that some of them might even not know what the criteria of perhaps figure is. So what <laughs> I maybe thought you could do is those listeners that, that don't really know what figure is, maybe perhaps yeah. talk us talk us ab- through about what they what they look for. But also mm-hmm. just what I would add to that is we know that IFBB is the prestigious one, the, the one that everyone mm-hmm. wants to do. It takes us to the biggest stage in the world. But where should a beginner start, do you feel? Should it be within a few feds? So I guess that was two questions in one. I don't mean to confuse you.
1: I can I can I can merge them together.
0: Let's
1: do that. So I would always say we never be discouraged by, okay, IFBB is the road, the road to the Olympia. Maybe like, oh, that's that's too big to dream of. I'll start with a different federation. You've got two bros, which has beginners classes. It's got regional shows. It's got British finals. So it, it has a class that fits everybody. So if your goal is to one day turn pro and go to the Olympia, or some people just, you know, they just want to compete, to compete and have fun and gain experience, you can still do that through the MPC and IFBB. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people sort of get intimidated at the thought of like, oh, that, oh, I'm not good enough for that. But you never know unless you try. And like I said, Tubros has regional shows. Yeah. It has British. It has it has so many shows on for people that are beginners, intermediates, masters, open classes. So it's a federation that caters for all. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of the figure division, they're sort of looking at the shape. So they're looking at a lovely taper, so nice wide back and lats, cut shoulders, small waist, uh, quad development, hamstring development, and just creating a really nice sort of X shape. But again, I know a lot of people will look at the top three Olympians be like, oh, I'm not genetically built that way, but you can always train in a way that helps your own physique yeah. so if you think oh my waist isn't that small then you can work on bringing up your back same with your legs i think the the thing with bodybuilding and categories it's all about illusions posing it's all about illusions
0: yeah you're, you're 100% right and for beginners i know i've mm-hmm. done episodes on just posing itself mm-hmm. I know that as you move up the ranks there's even a bigger emphasis on that and 100% could it be that points are won and lost through posing mm-hmm. do you think and through yeah. presentation in those pro yes. ranks yeah versus yes. yeah less so in an amateur would that be right in saying? even in an amateur show so uh, my biggest
1: advice to uh, to someone that is either just starting or coming up to their first show or a seasoned competitor, as you would with your cardio, your training, your food, posing needs to be up there as a priority as well, because you could have the best physique, not know how to display it. And that can literally, if if it's very, very close, if say top three are very, very close and the other two have really gracious posing, and you're a little bit of a... Mm, the judges will then be drawn to the other two. So stage presence, stage presentation is very, very important when it comes to competing at, at any level, amateur, pro, any level.
0: And would you say, if you could think back to the to the green bikini, how, yeah. is, how has your posing come on in your stage presence? Oh, my goodness. Is there any, dif- is there any differences? <laughs>
1: Oh goodness. I literally moved like a robot. Like, yeah, I, I, even, even now, like I practice posing after my sessions. Um, I'm pretty much every day just really working on like the flow of my posing. And if I look at myself four years ago, just wow, simply wow. But again, it's all about the journey and it's one of those, um, what I wish I knew when I started, was how important posing and stage presentation is. Yeah. And I think for me that is something that I've learned along the way and something that I look at other competitors and I'm like, oh, wow, they move like this. And it is all sort of an art as well.
0: Yeah. And I think that in, amateur, in the amateur ranks, in the beginner ranks, it can often be overlooked because we get so focused on yes. condition, or my abs through, are my glutes in, and I'm like, yeah. how, how, how often do you practice and posing? And they go, um, I did a little... Just did my check-ins. Yeah, right. So I guess the, the piece of advice I, I want to ask is, for the girl there that is thinking about competing next year, what would you suggest or how often would you pose? If you could go back to the green bikini days, how often <laughs> would you pose compared to what you do now? A hell of a lot. A hell of a lot so I would definitely
1: work with a posing coach way back when um and I would sort of definitely prioritize my posing more because I used to be like oh my god have I got abs here? oh my god so it's it was one of those where it wasn't really high on my list I would do it but it wouldn't be as often as I would now so my advice to a beginner would be practice often because by that time when you're on stage a lot of people first time competing they're very very nervous very nervous and this can come through on stage and that also comes through of oh you're putting so much pressure on yourself of i want to do this i want to win I want to do well that all of that comes to one when you're on stage whereas if you can knock out your posing and not be nervous about your posing everything else Looks so much more relaxed. You're able to display your physique a lot more, a lot. Um, I can't even speak, <laughs> a lot better yeah. because you've practiced. You're comfortable. You're confident.
0: And and if if in that moment next year, the first time competitor, they've mm-hmm. they they've been nailing the posing. They've been practicing, mm-hmm. but they're at the side of the stage, and they're still shitting themselves. Their mm-hmm. legs are shaking. If they had. If Ria was in their ear for the 10, 15 seconds, the 30 second fourth stage, what would you be saying?
1: I would honestly say
0: you've worked for
1: this. You've got for a total of five minutes up on that stage to display all of those weeks' work. If you're nervous, go up there. You almost have to. I was talking to Phoebe Hagen about this um, and it's like, you have to kind of, it's an act. When you're on stage, it's, it's an act okay. in terms of, you have to switch off everything else and you can't communicate with the judges in a verbal way that this is, this is me as a person. You can only do it by body language. Yeah. And you want, you have your goal set for that show, so how are you going to communicate that with the judges? You're going to do it through your posing.
0: Yeah. Would you also say that they, they need to yeah. go up there and give it the beans? Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So- and for, First and foremost, I'd say go and enjoy yourself. If you're doing a show for the first time, don't put pressure on yourself to be like, "I've got to win this. I've I've got to do this." Just have think. Whatever happens now is a bonus. You've made it to the stage. Whatever happens now is a bonus. That is my mindset, honestly, every time I go into a show.
0: Yeah, I love that. And would you say that the more you practice your posing over the years, how much did that help you with that sort of mind-to-muscle connection of training mm. in the gym? Uh, a lot. A lot. And with, every. I was going to say, and with that, do you feel that it's helped you add the tissue you've got today through practicing your posing?
1: Um, I wouldn't say through posing. I would say sort of exercise selection with training. Um, But sort of when I am training things, like when I'm doing a lat pull-down, I'll sort of think, okay, when I'm opening up for a front pose, I kind of get the same feeling. After I've done a set, I'll sort of hit a front pose to make sure I'm feeling everything correctly. But in terms of sort of the tissue that I've added, that would definitely be sort of training and um, exercise selection. But I would always, always like post, post-training, post practice your posing.
0: Yeah.
1: And First thing in the morning, post-training.
0: Is, is, is that what you do religiously? Every day, morning
1: and then? <laughs> uh, morning, so I'll sort of do it after my cardio or like once I've done my check-in, which is pretty much every other day and it will soon go to dailies. I'll then put aside another 15 minutes, go through my routine, Go through my quarter turns, and then after training, not legs, not after legs. I (laughs) there got hamstring cramp. Never again.
0: (laughs) On the on the last podcast I done with Mandy, I I, I've I've trained legs today, and uh, I was sitting down for the hour before the podcast, and then Mm. halfway through hours, I literally went like this. (laughs) <laughs> because my, yeah. my left hamstring <laughs> yeah,
1: oh. just cramp hamstring cramp is oh. it's horrible. but yeah normally after especially coming into closer into a show like I am now for the Olympia
0: everything is just
1: more and more and more and more
0: Superb. now I'll know and a lot of bodybuilders will know that the biggest stage, the biggest goal is to get up in the Olympia and win and I'm sure you have that as your goal, tell us have you got a specific time frame you're working towards? Is that is that how you work? Oh, okay, right, this show, I'm going to aim for that placing, that show, this placing. Or is just a case of I'm going to be the best bodybuilder I could be? Well, I, I can honestly sit before you right
1: now. And I, I never sort of go into a show being like, I want this placing. Because for me, I end up putting too much pressure on myself. I always want to make sure that I'm improving, taking on the judges' feedback and improving into a show. So a lot of people say, like, oh, what's your goal for the Olympia this time round? I'd love to improve my placing, but so does everybody else that is getting on that stage. So as long as I can be the best re that I can be getting on that stage, literally anything that happens there on out is a bonus. Yeah,
0: and... I suppose, do you feel, we mentioned about Instagram and sort of mm-hmm. glamorising the stage and whatnot, mm-hmm. do you feel that a lot of first-time competitors will, will kind of get in their head about placings and, and maybe not achieve that and then put down their own self-worth? Yes,
1: yeah, I, I always try to say try not to fixate too much on placings, try to remember the journey that you've been on to the stage. Try and if you if you enjoy the journey and enjoy the process, placings are just icing on the cake. You're right. And obviously, they they the the better that you are becoming as a bodybuilder, the more of those top placings that you're going to be getting. But if you're enjoying the process, and if there wasn't a stage, I'd still be doing the same thing. I'd be eating. I'd be training. I'd be posing. I'd be I'd be checking in. Like it's it is a lifestyle. Yeah. So that's why I always say, whatever happens on that stage, is a bonus. I'm
0: so glad you said that, because that's coming from right now, the top female athlete in the UK, and if not one, one of the top in the world. And the, the reason I say that is, I, I think back to now. I, I think back to my beginner days, and mm-hmm. I obsessed over like, you know, for a year, like I'm go, I'm mm-hmm. going to win. You know, I'm 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 doing this for the win, and then. On the day, I was probably the biggest guy there. Looked out a place in men's physique and didn't place because of it. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I felt like my world was tumbling down, and I mm-hmm. felt lost after that. Mm-hmm. Do you see a lot of, whether it's guys or girls? Do you see a lot of that just mm-hmm. the day? And if you do, you know, is there anything else you would say on top of what you've already said?
1: Yeah, so it is very, it is very easy to feel a lost feeling after a show whether you get the place and you want or you don't. Um, but I would always remember, especially if you don't get the place in that you hoped for, is that bodybuilding is such a subjective sport. It you're, you're based, you're judged on how you look and how you look next to other people. And you've kind of got to, once you sort of get your head around that, that anything can happen on the day it kind of relinquishes the pressure. But also with the lost feeling for whether you've got your placing or you haven't and sort of what's next, I always try to set up little goals post-show okay, to try and keep you moving forward. Mini goals, because it is very easy. You put everything, you put all of your focus into mm-hmm. that show that once it's done, it's, it's like, oh, what next? And it's easy to kind of get into a, a sort of mentally downward spiral
0: what would an so setting yourself it? little goals post-show what would an example of those really goals be? <sighs> whether it's for yourself or whether it's for a complete beginner in fact I'd love to know I'd love to know both oh, that's,
1: what would my little goals be? And I've kind of like I, def- I set some up for post-Alicante anyway um, but it was like for me it was like going on more walks, listening to more podcasts. It can be like little things or working on your business, more family time or, you know, drinking X amount of water and, you know, saving. I know that a lot of people become very food-focused post-show. So having having little process goals that will help your overall progress. So it it can literally be anything.
0: Like anything it's good because I mean I don't know if you see it but a lot of times competitors will they do one show they maybe have been so focused on placing and Mm -hmm. then they just totally fuck off bodybuilding Mm -hmm. and I feel so disheartened for them in that because they maybe have six months of not training not doing this eating what they want and then Mm -hmm. they go oh my god what have I done So, Mm -hmm. so giving them that advice will be something that I know will be hugely invaluable for them yeah now, yeah one thing i think i should have said at the start of the podcast i'm sure people have realized this already is that you've achieved what you've achieved and it's not it's not been the best year for bodybuilding with a lot of shows being cancelled and yeah how how was that for you if could you talk us through how you sort of dealt with that i know that the pro shows have been going ahead and, and a lot sooner mm. than amateurs but you know talk us through were you prepping for a show did it get cancelled how many weeks out were you and just mentally how did you cope with it all okay so if i sort
1: of recap the season um it was i was actually like three days out of the arnold's ohio in march so i was there in ohio i was in my airbnb before going to the host hotel and uh, there was loads of speculation of like shows being cancelled and i was like What's going on? This was very, very new when like COVID was kind of a new thing. Um, and it was at that moment, at that Arnold's, I was like, this year is gonna be very, very different. So I remember pre-judging, walking out, there was no audience, no audience was allowed. You could just hear camera clicking and you were just in front of the judges. Um, and then two weeks later, I was due to compete at the Arnold's Australia. So I remember I was back in the UK for about four days. And then flew to Australia, arrived to Australia on the Saturday. And then the Sunday, the Arnold's was cancelled. I was five days out. Shit. And then it, every, the world was on lockdown. So I was stuck in Australia for nine weeks. And I, I'd i be lying if I said it wasn't tough. I felt very lost. Um, I felt lost as an athlete. But then I remembered that everyone's in the same situation. So it kind of brought me like everyone's home training. Everyone, you know, it's it's very new to everybody. Um, so I was in Australia for nine weeks. And then luckily when I came back in the UK was still in lockdown, but I had somewhere that I could train. Um, we kind of came up with an action plan of, right, let's just do a restart of everything and see what happens. We were like, at that time, it was, there were was still shows that were meant to be on in August um but obviously they got cancelled um so it was like we'll just see what happens see where my body gets to still how it response to things and then I got back in May and then it was June it was actually my birthday that we we're like well, there's shows in October let's let's see what happens we've got 15 weeks if it happens it happens if it doesn't it doesn't like I said if there was no stage I'd still be doing the same thing okay. and if I got to if I got to a week out and it was cancelled I'm in a better place to then reverse and start growing again so it's all the it's all a process um, and there was a lot of speculation because Spain had been in lockdowns and stuff like that and I was like a lot of people were like oh really are you going to compete this year after everything that's going on like shows might be cancelled and I said but yes on one hand it's been a very hit and miss year but also what if it turns out to be something amazing. Yeah. Like that's, so I kind of mentally flipped it on its head and was like, yes, it, 2020 is thrown so much at the world. But I was like, this is what I love to do. And I'm just gonna give it a try and put everything I can into this. And here we are starting in Mexico, <laughs> yeah. getting ready to go to the 2020 Olympia. So it's,
0: yeah.
1: it's, it's kind of, for me, like really, up
0: 2020 and I, I think, yeah I think everything you just said shows the grit and determination of just who you are as an individual because it, it, t- it does take a certain character to face that sort of adversity and just go fuck it yeah let's do it let's go for it right but you know your background everything that you've said on the podcast it, it doesn't it's not surprising for you to say, yeah. Well, we just went for it as well, mm-hmm. and and obviously you know your coaching team are fairly hardcore as well, and mm-hmm. I'm sure they would be a massive motivation for you at, at the same time.
1: Yeah, uh, daily, daily.
0: Now, if if you could give any advice out there, on top of it, I mean, you've said so much, I'm so thankful for mm-hmm. that. But to anyone out there listening, that England's currently in lockdown at the moment mm-hmm. um, in Scotland, by the time this podcast goes out it, it, they maybe are just getting out or <laughs> who knows what will what, what, happen, right? But they've, they've, they've been annoyed this year because their shows have been cancelled they're maybe thinking next year you know what, what's the fucking point? Mm-hmm. If you were to sit and have a chat with them, and you can be firm what would you say? I know that you said at the start of the podcast just do it, but some people, yeah. some people might not might not resonate with that but what would you say yeah what's your why what is your why i like that for someone out there that that doesn't know what that means could you elaborate so when i sort of say what is your why like
1: why do you want to do this what what is your sort of passion and purpose for this if it is again To the people that are like, oh, you know what, I might just sack off next year and go for 2022, that is also okay. Because bodybuilding for them might not be at the forefront. But if it's someone that's sort of really like, oh, worried about external circumstances, one, what is your why? So what does bodybuilding mean to you? What do you want out of this? And two, don't stress about things that you can't control only focus on what you can control and I feel like the, the prep that I had for Alicante was one of the best I've ever had and also in out here in Mexico as well like the past two weeks has been the best I've ever had because there's no there's been no distractions yeah so it's and I've spoken to a few people that have been like prep's been like really really different this year like what has it been and I said think about it we've kind of been in a lockdown we out of the lockdown, gyms have opened, and it's kind of that gratitude towards we don't know whether when that's going to get taken away again. Yeah, so I feel like everybody's really like leveled up, and I love seeing it. So I feel like going into next year, if there's someone
0: that wants to compete, even though I say go for it, what's your why? I love that. Now, one thing I like to ask all the guests before I let them go, and um, This does not have to relate to bodybuilding. It can relate to anything that you've went through Mm -hmm. in life. But could you give us or could you share with us just something that has been your biggest lesson that you've ever learned in life? And from that, is there any advice you would give to others?
1: The biggest lesson I've learned in life is that growth definitely takes place outside of your comfort zone. And don't be afraid to explore outside of your comfort zone, especially how uncomfortable it can be. Because... This past year, my whole life has like changed, and I went through a bit of a, a downtime. And at that time, I was like, Oh, is this going to get any better? And then a year later, here we are. So just, just. It, it's growth. One hundred percent growth happens outside the comfort zone. And don't be, don't be afraid to explore out of there and spend a good amount of time outside of there. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. It's no fun in a comfort zone, is it? That's yeah, what, that's what I say. No, <laughs> it can be. You do get. You can feel very
1: stuck in there. So venture outside of there. Any ideas that you have and things you want to do, things you want to achieve
0: it I love that now for some out there listening that maybe, maybe they don't follow you right now maybe they want to get in touch with you maybe they want to send you an email or that could you explain to the listeners just how they could do that how can they get in contact with you
1: so you can drop me a dm on instagram if you have like any questions about anything at all it's rear gpt or if you want to email me about coaching or posing or again Any questions at all, it's reagalecoaching at hotmail.com.
0: Superb. And I guess I should say a massive thank you from myself and and the listeners out there. Um, And and to really all, I think that the UK bodybuilding scene, um, you really are leading the way. And it is a true honour to to get a chance to just chat about your journey, talk shop. It is truly inspiring. I know that there'll be many listeners out there that'll, that'll get the same buzz. So a massive thank you for that. Thank you. Not a problem, but I'm sure... I speak for all the listeners that we wish you well for the Olympia and that when you're up there, make sure that you give it the beans.